on today's episode of The Kinked Wire. During that time period, many of the Japanese Americans, like my parents who were born in the United States, they were a quiet bunch of people, and so my parents never talked about it. In fact, it wasn't in our history books growing up. I didn't even know about the internment camps and the fact that my family is affected by it till I was 25. This is The Kinked Wire, the new interventional radiology podcast from SIR's IR Quarterly magazine. You can learn more at its website, surweb.org slash IRQ. At the SIR 2019 annual meeting, Dr. Alan Matsumoto received SIR's prestigious gold medal award. During his speech, he announced his vision for a new program to support diversity in IR, the Grants for Education of Medical Students program, or GEMS for short. And you can learn more about the program at surfoundation.org slash gems. Recently, Dr. Herschel McGinnis, editor of The Commitment, an EIRQ column on diversity and inclusiveness, spoke with Dr. Matsumoto about this grant, what inspired it in the first place, and the importance of diversity and inclusiveness in IR and in our country. Hi, Dr. Matsumoto. How are you today? Hi, Herschel. I don't believe we've met. You know, we met such a long time ago, you would have no reason to, to remember me, but um, Washington, D.C. is my hometown. And I would say probably in 1999, 2000, somewhere in there, I attended a local conference in Washington that you were lecturing at. And you were very kind uh, to me when I came up to ask you a question during one of the breaks. I guess, I wonder if, it, let's see, 1999. So, Herschel, what is your role? I'm on the DNI advisory board. Now I so, put the face to the voice to the name because I always enjoy your comments at the DNI meetings and particularly at the SIR DNI meeting that we had. So I always have enjoyed your input. Some of the comments sparked a little flame in my life. So thank you for that. Your manner of expression and communication is very well received and very thoughtful. And so it's it's highly contributory. Well, I want, to, I want to thank you for that. You know, I really have a great deal of appreciation to the society for taking on this initiative. Dr. Matsumoto, please tell us more about the GEMS program and how you were inspired to devise such a novel and ambitious scholarship program. Well, as one might imagine, no individual comes up with an idea. So in conversations, with my family and my children, and Sue Sidori, our executive director of SIR, as well as with Jeff Mervis, who is executive vice president and president of the Peripheral Interventions for Boston Scientific, we came across the idea of creating the GEMS program. Now, Herschel, I know you, amongst many other folks, understand that IRs in general actually have a very restricted diversity and inclusion in the sense that fewer than 10% of IRs are women and from underrepresented minority groups that might be categorized as individuals with Native American backgrounds, Hispanic, African American, LGBTQ. And with the new integrated interventional radiology program, now training more clinically oriented interventional radiologists that will be directly interacting with patients more, 
saw you know a wonderful opportunity to possibly contribute to increasing the diversity of our specialty. We all know that diversity of thought and people and personalities leads to innovation. And although IR has always been innovative, we have the opportunity to become more innovative and more inclusionary. And so that was the thought process behind it. And also when the SIR was nice enough to bestow upon myself the gold medal, I actually started reflecting and said, what have I actually done? It's it's what you do for others that really will inform your success. So that's what led to the motivation. Can you tell us a little bit more about the process? We were fortunate enough to get partnership with five industry partners, Boston Scientific, Penumbra, Siemens Healthineers, W.L. Gore, and Cook. And in combination with their donation and what my family was able to contribute, we were able to launch the GEMS program to be effective this year. So the goal is so that we could give at least 10 $1,500 travel scholarships to medical students to minimize any financial barrier that may encumber a medical student from doing an elective in IR during their third or fourth year of medical school at an ex external or, uh, institution from which they're training. We were fortunate enough to raise enough money that e even if we didn't have another penny, we'll likely be able to support this type of grant program for at least 20 years with the goal of exposing medical students of greater diversity to the specialty of IR because we know that once medical students have the chance to experience IR and the potential for practice of IR to impact patient care, most of them fall in love with it. That sounds like a very noble goal. and I really want to applaud you for all your efforts. How will you know that the program has been a success? Well, from my perspective, if we even attract one or two who may not even known about our specialty, that would be a success. But it really is going to be about looking five years from now. There are more women. There's much more diversity and color in the pictures. And really that 10 years from now, we see a more diverse group of individuals providing care to the patients that deserve a choice in who they select as their physician. You know, I'm, I'm always interested when I see uh, people reach these aha moments where they seem to go to a level of higher creativity. And I wanted to ask, do you remember the moment where you first thought of the GEMS program in its most nascent form? And, and what, what inspired that, that moment of creativity? Well, it had to do with, frankly, a sense of inadequacy. It goes back to being told I was receiving the gold medal. So forced me to self-reflect and really say, what is it, ha have I really done? I was more reflective about what I hadn't done than what I had seemingly done. And this seemed like a, just a, you know, a big hole for me, um, particularly 
reflecting on my personal background, you know, I'm a first-generation physician. My parents were only high school graduates, so neither one of them were college educated. I thought back to their lives and, and being second-generation Japanese and the fact that their lives were disrupted during World War II. And basically, my parents were dating at the time when internment camps came about, when President Roosevelt came out with Executive Order 9066. And, and they were both living in California, and they and their families were put in camps. And how, despite that, they loved the United States. They loved the fact that they were part of a country where it could be perceived that you lose potentially everything and yet be able to come back in the next generation. Your children are not only college educated, but they're able to go to a professional school. And so I think just thinking about that, again, the gold medal forced me to reflect a little bit about what what impacted my life. I think just learning from them and their deep and sincere appreciation for what they had and the opportunities they were given, it basically uh, forced me to ask, what have I really done to give back? Yeah, you know, I want to thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, for people that don't know, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, there were race-based fears that caused many Americans concern that American citizens of Japanese heritage on the U.S. West Coast would potentially collaborate with enemy forces. And despite studies that found these fears to be baseless, in February 1942, FDR signed Executive Order 9066. This gave the military the authority to forcibly remove anyone of Japanese ancestry from the U.S. West Coast. 127,000 American citizens of Japanese ancestry were taken into custody without due process and were held initially in buildings designed to hold livestock and were later moved to military-styled U.S. detention camps. I think it's important to have a sense of scale. In 1942, there were 165,000 people incarcerated in prisons by due process, mostly, mostly adult men. We're talking about 127,000 Japanese Americans, citizens that were guilty of absolutely nothing other than being themselves. And these were children, these were adult men and women, and these were elderly people. And in a stroke of a pen, their liberty was taken away. And I, I was personally very moved that your family and you came through this experience and still were passionate about being good American citizens. And as they say, paying it forward, you know, taking the success that you've had to make sure that another generation benefits it as, as well. That, that was very meaningful to me at this, this year's meeting. Thank you. During that time period, many of the Japanese Americans, like my parents who were born in the United States, they were a quiet bunch of people, and so my parents never talked about it. In fact, it wasn't in our history books growing up. I didn't even know about the internment camps and the fact that my family was affected by it till I was 25. My brother was 34 before he heard about it. My sister was 31 because they were, frankly, too embarrassed to talk about it because by being put away in such camps, they actually felt they had done something wrong. And, and, you know, the Japanese cultures, they were just embarrassed about it. Now, having said that, you know, what I saw is 
they took that adversity and grew from it, they almost used the word no as empowerment to say, well, how do I get to yes? Not in a defiant way, but in a collaborative way. And so just watching them, I learned a lot from that. Sort of saying, how do you get to yes when people may say no? And managing that discussion. So, you know, I was your classic American kid that felt entitled and such. And so some of those reflections really didn't come about until I found out that it occurred. And then we would talk about it a little bit later in life. But at that time, I was just living as an American and not really reflecting so deeply. You know, I think someone might look at you and I and not think we have much in common, but I think we have a lot in common. Uh, you know, my, my dad is African-American and his family comes to the tradition of slavery from the deep south. My grandparents started their own business and on my dad's 18th birthday, he registered for the draft and served in the Navy in the final years of World War II. My dad told me when I was a little boy about his uh, ship sailing back into San Francisco Harbor beneath the Golden Gate Bridge and all the men standing on deck with tears streaming down their face. They were so glad to be home again. And yet when my dad returned home, he didn't enjoy equity and housing, job opportunities uh, or an education. And it would be 22 years before he would be able to vote for president for the first time. Yet it would be hard to find someone more patriotic than my dad and hard to find someone that didn't believe in the promise of America more than my dad, even though he was denied so much in his lifetime. He didn't complain about these things. He never brought them forth to me. These were things I had to go back and ask about and discover on my own long after he was gone. And I know I've enjoyed benefits uh, as a first generation physician and college graduate in my, in my family similar to you. And I think families like ours that have walked down this, this road uh, have a lot to, to offer to other Americans that may be more in the mainstream. Well, I appreciate you actually sharing that story um, because it only further emphasizes that each one of us in our own way have our own personal story to tell and our background that helped influence who we are and and just the pride that many of us have for where we are and how lucky we are despite the barriers that may have been set up for each one of us, our parents, our grandparents, and biases that may exist out there that all, all things considered you can focus on the negative, uh, but there are so many positives and there are opportunities if you uh, allow yourself to sort of look at the positive, uh, despite the fact that we can get lost in the negative. So I, I think uh, I thank you for sharing that story because I'm sure there'll be many that have a similar story that has helped inform uh, their purpose in life and what they'd like to contribute to IR, healthcare, 
patients, their own uh, next generation, uh, and to society as a whole. The past informs many of our values and how we look at the world before us. But if we let it be too big of a weight, we can't move forward. And it's really about not being held back by the past, but trying to take advantage of what door, doors may be open in the future. And so respect the past, but don't let it drag you back. Well, I certainly see the formation of the GEMS program as a wonderful opportunity and a door that's wide open for so many young physicians. And uh, I want to thank you for helping bring this to fruition. And is there anything else, Dr. Matsumoto, you want to say? If the GEMS program helps to change the conversation and stimulates more individuals to really think about this and come to action, I would call that a success because the comfort of inaction can be very costly. I would call that a success of the program. So would I. So in preparing for today's interview, I ran across a quote that resonated with me, and I just wanted to share it with you. It comes from uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The true symbol of the United States is not the bald eagle, it's the pendulum. And when it goes very far in one direction, you can count on it swinging back. Many Americans are living at a point in history now where they're sensing a very definite, swift movement in that pendulum. And I want to salute you, Dr. Matsumoto, for your generosity your vision, your commitment, and your courage in establishing the GEMS program. I don't know if the pendulum has reached the full extent of its arc or whether it still has further to go, but I do know that the efforts like yours are the forces that will surely move the pendulum back to the place it seeks to be, the center. Thank you so much, Dr. Matsumoto. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Matsumoto and Dr. McGinnis. Again, the GEMS program was announced at the SR 2019 annual meeting in Austin. Don't want to miss out on developments like that? Make sure to register for the SIR 2020 annual meeting, March 28th to April 2nd, in Seattle. You can register or get more information at surmeeting.org. We look forward to seeing you there. In the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this first episode of The Kinked Wire, and we thank you for listening. Watch for more conversations with leaders in the field, sharing their stories and updates, and their points of view on all the issues that impact your practice of IR. If you like it, or if you have ideas on ways we can make it better, we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at irq at surweb.org.